Hey, hey, hey! Exciting news! Do you ever look in the mirror or at a photograph of yourself or put on some clothes? Or rather, don't put on some clothes because the clothes you really want to wear are hanging in the cupboard or buried in some bag at the back of the cupboard and your heart sort of sinks and you think... I know, I know I need to do different things. I know I need to do something different to lose the weight, to get healthy, to do all the stuff I want to get to, to what Dr. Alina calls healthy, amazing you. And yet somehow I can't do it. You, my friend, have what is called a doing gap. It's not a knowledge gap. It's a doing gap because you're busy and you've got other stuff going on. So the Radiate and Renew program starting, drum roll please, next week, we're kicking off on Tuesday next week. It's super exciting. You will learn to do four small but mighty habits that you are going to enjoy and it's going to be easy. Now the idea of this, there's two ideas behind it. Number one, you do the habits, in a year's time you've still got the habits and they really have moved the needle. You know, you're really doing things slightly differently. But also, once you start doing things differently, you realise that you can carry on doing things differently. And so you might decide, hey, I'm going to do the reboot or I'm going to do something else and I'm really going to get to the bottom of this goal. I'm going to reach my goal. So if you are interested, if you'd like some help and support, Radiate and Renew starts on Tuesday. I will leave the link in the show notes. I had a miracle cure that would guarantee you and your family living to a ripe old age whilst feeling vigorous, fit and fabulous. Would you be interested? Well, I do. It's called Healthy Living. Hello and welcome to Fit and Fabulous with me, Dr. Orlina Kerrick. Healthy Living for Families Made Easy. Hello and welcome to Fit and Fabulous with me, Dr. Alina Kerrick. I hope that you are feeling fabulous today. Today I want to talk about longevity and how to lead a healthy life. But before we get into that, I just wanted to think a little bit about where we are in the world, the beginning of 2021. And I have noticed for myself over the last week or so that I have this kind of feeling of, oh, a little bit about me. Let me explain a little bit more. It's almost as if I'm counting down the days. I think the end of January is approaching. Well, by the time this recording comes out, it will be February. But the end of January is recording and I can see myself almost ticking off the days to get through to when we can be vaccinated, when life can get back to normal, when we can get back into our house, which is a big project and it's not going to be any time before December. And a sort of undertone of this isn't the exciting life that I want to lead. Now, I know that life isn't always exciting and that is an interesting and another topic which actually I think we should cover in the next few weeks. But as my wise mother says, don't wish your life away. And I don't want to be living like that. I don't want to be living with this sensation of, oh, it's going to be better tomorrow. It's going to be better tomorrow. Because I realise that right now things are amazing and awesome as well. But quite often when you're in the routine, it's really difficult to see, sorry, it's really easy to see the more difficult things and to forget about 
the beautiful things. So I have been sitting with that for a while and just seeing what happens. And a couple of changes that I have made or a couple of things that I have really started making myself do is just think about being present in the moment. So simple things. I love reading to my kids before bedtime. We always have a bedtime story, but it's very easy for that bedtime story to just be, oh, on autopilot routine. But now I just take a few moments to think, this is us now enjoying a quiet time before bedtime, having some snuggles, having a little bit of relaxed time and really enjoying the story. We've been reading Michael Morpurgo. I love Michael Morpurgo, but oh, we call him morose Michael Morpurgo because all his books are so sad. But I do think he is a fabulous storyteller. So just being more present. And I think that can be everywhere and anywhere. Um, So for example, cycling back from school. We cycle to school, which at times can be a little bit challenging. We're working on it. This morning, we did really, really well. Uh, We did it in 26 minutes, which is under our 30. I have worked out that if I go alongside my son, who's a little bit slow, and hold on to him, then I can cycle him up the hill, which I have to confess is a little bit extra work for me. I'm always enjoying doing extra work, a little bit more of a workout. So that's super good. And it gives him a bit of a boost and we get there a bit quicker. And on the way back, it's still winter here. Most of the trees, well, a lot of the trees are pine trees, actually, so they still have leaves. But a lot of the trees, all the trees that aren't pine trees, don't have leaves. And there's something about looking at that beauty. It is winter. Winter for me, I'm cold. We've had a lot of not so great weather recently, which I find really difficult. I hate being not locked up inside, but I like to enjoy the sunshine and hear the birds. And as I cycle home, I can really just take a moment to listen to those birds and see the green grass and the green of the pine trees and the nakedness of the trees that don't have leaves. So that's one thing that I have been working on, just this being present and really enjoying every moment for what it is. And I know that's not always easy. But that's one thing. And another thing that I have is a little gratitude shell. So we live by the sea and we're constantly picking up shells. And there's some snail shells that I really like that are long and twisty. And we collect them and I often have a whole handful of them. But I will keep one in my pocket. And my husband has one on his desk. And they're what I call our gratitude shells. So when you see them, you have to think, okay, something that I'm grateful for. And as they're one of them lives in my coat pocket. Every time I put my coat on, my hand goes down and feels that. And I can think about something that is amazing or just bring myself back to that moment. This moment I'm putting on my coat. I'm about to go and do this thing. The sky is blue or gray or whatever color it is. And here I am in this moment. So just a few little tricks that I have been implementing, a few tools that I have been implementing over the last week or so to stop myself from feeling like I'm counting down the days to spring and I'm counting down the days to whatever is just around the corner so that I can enjoy right now, here and right now. Okay, let's move on to how to lead a long and healthy life. This is what I love talking about. Now, just to recap on the four pillars that I teach And if you have heard them, apologies, but it is good to go over the basics over and over again. So I teach the four pillars. Number one, nutrition, what we eat. In a nutshell, 
Um, I use the Mediterranean style diet as a framework, but it doesn't have to be the Mediterranean style diet. I just like it because I'm here. And essentially, the only difference between it and other plant based diets is it's stronger on extra virgin olive oil. And I love extra virgin olive oil. So what is the Mediterranean style diet? Lots of vegetables, fruits, whole grains, legumes, lentils, nuts, seeds, a little bit of fish, a little bit of um, protein, and really minimizing the amount of what I call white refined carbohydrates. So that is pasta, bread, cake, pizza, all those things that my kids love. So that in a nutshell, oh, and obviously healthy fats, which in the Mediterranean style diet is extra virgin olive oil and other things as well. So, you know, you can get fats from your nuts and your seeds and your avocados. That's pillar number one. Pillar number two is exercise. Pillar number three is sleep. And pillar number four is emotions and mindset. And this is the bit which, well, one, helps us feel happy. But it's all these little things like the tools that I've just been telling you about, which are being aware of ourselves, how we think, how we're feeling. And that has an impact because obviously that affects our behaviour. So are we actually going to eat this way and exercise this way? A lot of that boils down to mindset. So those are the four pillars that I teach. And I'm constantly reading books, listening to podcasts and thinking about the evidence, the science that is out there. And most experts agree roughly. I mean, I guess nutrition is the biggest controversial area. Most experts agree that vegetables, a plant-based diet is the way to be going. Now, you can talk about the minutiae details. So for example, should you go vegan or should you not go vegan is an interesting and controversial topic, which we have brought up before. And there are different people on both sides of the equation. So I want to dive into a couple of books that I have read over the last few months and just give you a few of the gold nuggets that I have taken away from them. And the two books are called This Book Could Save Your Life, written by Graham Lawton, who is a new scientist journalist. So he is someone who spends his life reviewing the science out there and writing articles for the New Science magazine, um, the New Science Journal. And he has written a book called This Book Could Save Your Life. And he goes into details. Now, I recommend both of these books. And in his book, it's written in a very nice and small bite size chunks. So it's easy to digest. And his way of writing as well is very personable, easy to get through. And he goes through the different types of things. So he goes through different myths. Let me just read a few out to you. So for example, the truth about food, the truth about fat, the truth about carbs and sugar. And he goes into lots of different things. Now, as a big takeout, I would say that what I like about this book is that he agrees with me. No, I don't mean that he agrees with me. Obviously, he's never heard of me. But what I like is to see evidence that confirms the framework that I have. And as I say, not everybody agrees. So for example, the ketogenic diet doesn't really fit into that framework, because it's saying you have to cut out carbohydrates to a much lower level. 
So that doesn't really equate to eating lots of fruit and vegetables. So not everybody agrees with this this framework. Now, he does agree in broad brushstrokes, which I think is amazing. And I'll just put out a few little snippets, which I found really interesting. One of the things was he was talking about omega-3, and he goes into this in more detail. But the common belief is that we need to eat oily fish to get our omega-3. And what he actually says is, actually, there's two different types of omega-3. And one of the most important ones is a different type of omega-3, which we find in linseeds, chia seeds, kiwis and walnuts. And that was very interesting. That was something that I wasn't aware of. I've always thought that we need to eat a little bit of fish to get our omega-3. But he goes into other myth-busting things. He talks about calorie counting, and I found this very interesting. You may know, but I don't teach people who want to lose weight how to lose calories. However, on a cellular level, what is actually happening is essentially calories in, calories out. If you look at all the bodies in your cells, uh, sorry, all the cells in your body, and did an amazingly complicated equation Essentially, the excess calories are stored as fat in the end. And if you want to lose weight in order to use up that fat, you essentially have to work out how to burn them. Now, the problem with that equation, and he goes into this in more detail, is it's very difficult to know exactly what's going on. And there's so many different variables, not least of all how food is labeled and how actually it's very difficult to measure the calories that actually go into your mouth, let alone what your body does with them. So one of the factors is what does your biome do? What do all those bugs and organisms in your gut do? Which bits do they take away? And what about the amount of time it takes to digest or the energy you're using to digest? So the more you refine a food, the less your body has to do to digest that food. And so he has a very interesting bit about why calorie counting isn't a very good approach and um, why he doesn't recommend it either. So I liked that. Now, the other book is called The Longevity Diet, and it's by a gentleman called Dr. Volta Longo, who is a PhD doctor. And he is a research doctor and super interesting. He's from Italy, but he moved over to the States. And he goes into the different types of research that you can look at to see um, what factors influence how long people live. Now, I have to confess, his book is very well written and it is personal, but it is a little bit drier than the other book. And it is a little bit more sciencey than the other book, but I like science and I like this book. And again, he talks about a plant-based diet. He actually talks about a pescatarian plant-based diet. So he's saying that we should have some fish and that he talks about protein as well and that we should really Aim, and he's got a calculation for body weight and how much protein you should be having. But one of the things he's saying is you shouldn't get too much protein. And I find this very interesting because a lot of people are advocating more protein. But more and more, we're seeing experts and research saying too much protein isn't good for you. And interestingly, he says you should eat all your protein in one meal to help your muscles more. He advocates around 40 to 47 grams of protein a day, which isn't very much at all, particularly if your protein is um, meat protein. So um, fish and meat are all protein, whereas if you get a plant-based protein, such as chickpeas or garbanzo bees, then 
the amount you eat, so 47 grams of chickpeas doesn't contain 47 grams of protein. And again, he talks about minimizing bad fats and sugars and increasing good ones. So he's talking about increasing good olive oils, good unsaturated fats, nut oils, um, good complex carbohydrates. He mentions whole bread and legumes and vegetables and decreasing um, things like pasta and rice and bread and fruit and fruit juices. Now, on a side note, he mentions fruit in the we should minimize this. And I think, you know, fruit is very easy to eat, but I do see it as a stepping stone to, particularly if you're a parent, to changing the way that you eat. So if you're somebody who's thinking, oh my goodness, I want to implement this new way of eating. And now suddenly I've got to get rid of all these packaged snacks and pasta and all of this stuff. What on earth am I ever going to eat? I would say just go with fruit as your treats because yes, it is relatively high in sugar, but it's much, much less high in sugar than cookies and biscuits, crisps, all those other things. And also it's wrapped up with good phytonutrients and other fiber good things. So I wouldn't worry too much about fruit right now. When you get to the stage of like, oh, I really need to refine my diet, you can think about reducing a little bit of fruit if that's what you want to do. But particularly if you have kids, I have children and quite often if they don't eat vegetables, they eat fruit instead. They might eat an apple. But in my mind, that's a stepping stone to what do I normally eat and training them that we eat fruit and vegetables rather than all those other good treats. And they will, if they don't like dinner, my picky son will say, can I have a green apple? It has to be green and not red. And quite often I will say, yes, go and do that. Or, you know, if we've got carrots, I might say, you can go and peel yourself a carrot if that's what he wants to do. Now, he also talks about eating twice a day plus a snack, which is interesting. So this idea of how often do we eat is interesting. And he recommends a periodic prolonged fasting. So he reckons what he calls time restricting eating. So that is having um, not eating frequently during the day and not eating into the night. And he also recommends a periodic prolonged fasting. And he has something which he calls a fasting mimicking diet, which I think is a program that you have to go and buy. And he will tell you exactly what you can and you can't eat. But essentially what he's saying is that there are periods when you look at a lot of cultures, we have periods where historically we have fasted. So in the Christian religion, it would be Lent or um, for Muslims, it would be Ramadan, but quite often there is a culture of we're going to fast and we're going to eat less. And in modern day culture, a lot of that times it has um, gone by the wayside and we don't do that. And he recommends two periods of five day fasting. So really reducing your calories, doing his particular way of doing it. So what I like about both of these books is they're accessible, they're interesting, they really are science-based books and they're doable as well. If you look at the big bracket of the umbrella, what are they talking about? They're talking about eating vegetables, eating healthy oils, reducing junk food. And I think that's a really doable message. Now, the other thing they both talk about is exercise. And exercise is my number two pillar. And I think one of the things about exercise is it's really, really easy to lead a sedentary lifestyle. I have really realised this since um, we moved into our new smaller house at Christmas time, just before Christmas. And I realised that 
my step count has really gone down because I live in a small house. Whereas in my bigger house, I was walking round and round, round the garden. Whereas now I sort of come in and I live in one room, I might move to another room and my step count has just plummeted. So it is really easy to lead a sedentary lifestyle, particularly if you're busy working. But the flip side of that is when you have good and healthy habits, it is easy to make sure that you're doing enough exercise. So how much is enough exercise? Well, the biggest leap you're going to get is from a sedentary lifestyle to doing some exercise. So it doesn't matter where you are. I would encourage you to go and do more exercise. Now, both of them, both of these books are saying really and truly, the more exercise you can do, the better. And it's not just about doing 5,000 or 10,000 steps. In fact, Graham Lawton says it's probably closer to 15,000 steps that we want to do. And Volta Longo recommends working all your body parts until you breathe rapidly and sweat for five to 10 hours a week. So that's actually a reasonable amount of exercise. Now, don't panic. You can work up to this. And also the other thing I would say is that every little bit counts. So if you run up and down the stairs a few times, that counts. And I would refer you back to my episode of why I think everybody should get themselves a sports watch to track this, because it's really difficult to know exactly how much exercise you're doing unless you're tracking it. So the more exercise, the better. So I think both those books are worth reading. They're both interesting and they both have a positive message. What they don't do really is tell you how to implement this. And it's all about routine, habits and systems. I'm all about routine, habits and systems. How do you make yourself do these things? You create routine, habits and systems. So I am working on my challenge, my habit challenge. I have decided on a name. It's going to be Healthy You, Healthy Family Habit Challenge. And it's going to be taking place in April. So that'll be super exciting. And it will be a week-long free program where we'll talk more about habits and how to implement them and how you can create one healthy habit. I want you to come out of that week thinking, right, I can create this habit. Now, obviously, you can't create a habit in a week, but what you can do is set yourself up to create that habit and keep doing that habit. So that will be coming in April. And lastly, I still am offering 30-minute chats, a free coaching session. Now, I'm a bit booked up for the next week, but if you would like to chat to me next week, then feel free to get in contact. And I, as I say, offering 30 minute free chats. So it's just about getting clarity on where you are and how you would like to change where you would get to or how you would get to it, how you're going to change your life so that you can lead a long and healthy life and you can lead a long and healthy life. And I'm excited to chat to you and help you with your transformation. So if you would like to take up one of those slots, then feel free to email me at orlina at drorlina.com. Have a lovely week and I will chat to you next week. Bye-bye. so much for listening to this podcast episode. Remember, you can sign up for Dr. Orlina's Simple System to Healthy Living for Families at drorlina.com slash simple dash system. If you have enjoyed this podcast, 
I ask that you share it with somebody else who would also benefit so that I can reach more people and help more people live healthily. And lastly, if you are interested in working with a coach, then just email me at orlina at drorlina.com and we can set up a time to chat. Absolutely no obligation. I love chatting. So come and chat with me. Bye-bye.